0: I want to resurrect a word from the past for you tonight. I don't hear it much anymore. Um, when I was a kid, I used to hear it a lot, and my kids heard it quite a bit. Uh, anybody got an idea what that word would be? <laughs> that wasn't the one I had in mind. <clears throat> The word is no. <laughs> um, most of the kids these days, uh, or a lot of them, have never heard that word. And uh, so I just want to reacquaint all of us adults with that word and encourage you. To use it a little bit, um, it, as a parent, I know it's hard to say, but let's just practice all of us together. Now, let's say the word "no." All right, you did good. <laughs> Matthew sixteen twenty four says. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That means say no to yourself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He chose to say no to the king's meat. Hebrews 11.25, Moses is involved here choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So he said no to the pleasures of sin so that he might be with God's people. Chose to suffer the affliction with them. First Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I be, beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Say no to fleshly lusts. Proverbs twenty-five sixteen says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Say no to the second helping. <laughs> Proverbs 110 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Say no to that. We need to learn to use that word because it has a significant impact both in our lives and in the lives of those that we influence. Let me ask you a few questions. What pleasure have you denied yourself this past month? Anything? What thing have you turned away from and walked away from something that you really would like to have had at Lowe's or Dillard's and you just said no and walked away? What catalog have you thrown away though there were so many nice things in there that you really wanted? When was the last time you fasted and prayed For 24 hours and denied yourself the food and focused on what you were praying for for 24 hours or 48 hours. You won't die from that. How difficult is it for you to be talked into something that you really would like to have but don't need? And in fact, it might be wrong for you to even have it. Are you an easy sell? This world is cocked and primed to sell it to you. Are you content with what you have? Or are you constantly in pursuit of more and better? And bigger? Do you live in a constant state of discontent? Do you feel that your house is too small, your TV is too old, the screen is too small, your smartphone is last year's model and doesn't have all the latest 5G technology? Your car just isn't competitive in your neighborhood, and you got to keep up with the Joneses. They asked Henry Ford one time what more he could possibly want after all the millions he had made in his Ford factories, and he answered, just one more dollar, just one more dollar. Wealth, write this down, wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. Wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. Are you discontent and sense a void in your life that needs to be filled and you are all about filling it with the things of this world, then you're a sitting duck for the salespeople of this world. They'll cast that shiny bait in front of you, and you'll take it. Because you gotta have more. Are you grateful And that's the cornerstone. Are you grateful for what you have? Because that will lead to contentment. And that will lead to sales resistance. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Sales resistance. Let's define it. It's got three parts. First, Being content. This is from the Bible now. Be content with food and clothing. I don't think too many of us would be content with just that. But with food and raiment, therewith be content. Scripture tells us. Secondly, using and caring for the possessions that we do have not just squandering them. Teach your kids, when you got that new bike for them, to put it away. You don't leave it laying in the yard, getting rained on and snowed on and frozen and destroyed. So being content with food and clothing, using and caring for the possessions we do have, and thirdly, keeping our focus on the purpose for which God made us. Why did God make us? For himself, didn't he? To glorify him. But there's all this alluring advertisement out there. And the devil knows just exactly how to get our attention with carefully planned appeals to our human weaknesses designed to make us discontent. Discontent. So we can rationalize about buying those things that we really don't need and probably shouldn't have. We need to practice and be skilled at Watching for alluring advertisements by this world. The devil uses subtle tactics. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to work our way through a few verses there. Um, have you ever noticed that most of the ads that you see on TV and on the billboard? uses beautiful and successful people? The Bible says in Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. That word subtle means the the serpent was pleasant, appealing, persuasive, and he says don't be deprived get all you can look around man see all that there is go for it get involved in this world but first john 215 says love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world these sales people cause us to consciously or subconsciously be discontent A second aspect of this, uh, the, the world's salesmanship and the devil's, is they appeal directly to those who are under authority. Look at Genesis 3, verse 1. And see the phrase, And he said unto the woman, Note that Satan did not first appeal to Adam. So the tactic is often to try to influence those in authority over us by someone that is under us. Um, You've heard guys say, hey, I'm the head of this house, and the wife says, yeah, and I'm the neck that turns the head, (laughs) And it's so true. Uh, And, uh, well, let me just ask you as a parent, how many times have your kids talked you into something that they neither needed nor you needed to spend the money on? Happens all the time. They appeal to us, and whether it's, Maybe not necessarily wrong, but it's certainly not a good thing and right. A third aspect of this is it creates doubts by a st- about established rules. In Genesis three one, uh, the verse says. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Puts a little question mark in there. Did God really say that? You know? Would he would he be that restrictive? I mean, you have all the other trees, but you know, there's this one. <clears throat> alluring advertising from this world often mocks and ridicules Bible-based standards from God's word. The devil uses these scoffers to intimidate us. We're all fuddy-duddies, stick-in-the-mud, Neanderthals, behind-the-times, We need to catch up. It's the 21st century, you know. And the the devil is able to use that kind of pressure from the world to get us to buy in. A fourth aspect is it comes eventually to rejecting the warnings that God has given. Genesis 3 verse 4. Finally, they've come from the doubting to where they're actually saying, you know, I don't believe that. Genesis 3 4 says, ye shall not surely die. The Surgeon General issues a warning that cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health, that excess alcohol is dangerous to your health. but that shouldn't, that won't happen. I, I know an old guy that's 84 years old smoke smoked two packs a day, you know, and it's still going strong, yeah. And so we hoodwink ourselves into believing, yeah, that might happen for somebody else, but it won't happen to me. And we reject God's warnings. But rejecting God's warnings has dire circumstances or consequences. Amos four eleven. I have overthrown some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Most of us think it will never apply to us, but it does, every one of us. Often advertisements are just outright blatant lies. But if you hear them often enough and long enough, people come to believe it, believe it or not. Because they first doubt, then they reject God's word, and soon, scripture says, they're blind to it. They're blind to it. 2 Thessalonians 2.11, And for this cause... God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Wouldn't you hate to be in that situation where you actually believed what you knew to be untrue? Doubt God long enough and soon. You'll believe a lie. If you doubt the unchanging truth of the first 11 chapters of Genesis that tells us how it all came into being, creation, and in place of that, you accept. The ever changing science, oh, it's got to be science. Ever changing, then you've just believed a lie. You've bought into it. Doubt God's plan of salvation long enough, and you'll be judged. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man wants to die, but after that, the judgment. Another result of no sales resistance and doubting God is creating discontent. Um, the fifth Genesis 3 verse 5 says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. This discontent focuses on what you do not have and not what you do have. It's what you dwell on most that determines. If you're happy about what you have and the gratitude versus the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, uh, and discontent, This makes us feel like we're missing out. There's something more that we're not getting. We say, man, you only go around once. You got to get it now if you're going to get it. But is this all there is? There's an eternity yet. A sixth thing is it promotes... An independent spirit. Genesis 3:5, ye shall be as gods, the devil told her. Ye shall be as gods. You can be, you can know right and wrong. You can be your own boss. I did it my way. Equal rights, women's rights over their God-given responsibilities. Children's rights. Allow them to decide at six years old whether they're a boy or whether they're a girl. Can you imagine such nonsense? Give me my independence, we say. But we, as Christians, are to be dependent on God. A seventh result of this is human, we depend on human reasoning. What feels right to us, what we think. Is right. Genesis 3 5 says, You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. You say, Well, I have my own ideas about drinking and about smoking and modesty and church attendance and music and TV and education. Satan wants us to choose between good and evil. With our minds, what seems good to us, not what scripture says. God wants us to discern between good and evil with the leading of his Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Eve had rejected God's word. God said, don't eat. Eve ate. Now, if you would have cornered her at that moment, she probably would not have said, yeah, I, I really did uh, go against God's word and reject God's word. But it doesn't seem to register often with us. It seems to go right over our heads. Human reasoning will endanger your soul, your life, your family, your home, your nation. Do not depend on your own thinking. Reject it. Find out what scripture says about it and trust God's word. Bad things happen when we go contrary to God's word. I have a whole list of them here. I'll read a few. Spending too much time sleeping, Proverbs 6:11 says, so shall thy poverty come. Being immoral, uh, Proverbs 5.10 says, strangers shall be filled with thy wealth. Failing to be diligent, Proverbs 10.4 says, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Getting money without labor, Proverbs 13.11 says, it shall be diminished refusing to listen to reproof proverbs 13:18 says poverty and shame shall be to you being slothful proverbs 19:15 says you shall suffer hunger just give it a lick and a promise don't do your best you'll come up on the short end of the stick We need to decide to resist the sales pitch of this world, the flesh and the devil, and live by convictions based on God's word. A conviction is something that is a truth from God's word that we have settled on and we're not changing. It's a conviction. The Bible calls us to allow our convictions, not our circumstances or our reasoning, to govern our sense of contentment. Because if, if, if that's what's governing our, us, we will be content. Are you convinced that God's word is reliable and that God will keep his promise, which says, I'll supply all your need? If you're convinced of that, contentment will come. Satan craftily tempts us with the rich and the famous and appeals to those under us to influence us to doubt and soon reject and become discontent and want to do it our way, the way that makes sense to us, And that puts a target on our backs, and we become easy prey for the sales pitch of the devil. Sales resistance. We need it. We need it. Let's practice saying that word one more time. It's a hard word to say, but let's say it together. No, that's the way we need to live. No to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and trusting what God's word says. Let's pray. Father, give us the wisdom to trust you implicitly. Thank you for the instructions you've given us in your word. Help us to live by them. I pray in thy name. Amen. So we can divvy up and go to our prayer groups.